podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. The show where we take all the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you, of course, choose to follow us on. And we are well embedded into the summer break, ladies and gentlemen, the F1 summer break that is. And of course, whilst there are no cars going around on the circuit at the moment, we have got plenty to talk about. And of course, the one thing that we tend to look forward to at this time of the season is the F1 silly season. Now, of course, for those of you that don't know what that, what that means, it's basically the F1 version of the football transfer market or deadline day, if you'd like, where we see some potential driver changes coming in and out of Formula One with the teams deciding who is going to be in their cars for next season. And whilst, of course, there aren't so many obvious areas, as we may have seen in the past few years, where seats might be available in some of the bigger teams, there are, of course, some stories still doing the rounds. So, of course, let's get right into it. And first of all, joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, first of all, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, hello, everyone. A um, bit bored at the moment, given the, uh, it seems the first time this summer we're sort of going about sport for a few days. I've been spoilt with the, obviously, with the Formula One, the Euros and the Olympics. And uh, I've sort of, I've, I've been so spoilt with a sport that I'm missing without, well, without any this week. Well, I know we've got the new football season coming up this weekend and Formula One in, what, three weeks' time? Yeah, pretty much. three weeks time, isn't it? So yeah, I'm I'm having a little bit of a sports drought at the moment. So coming on this podcast will give me some sports filler that I need right now. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we've got plenty to be getting on with. But joining us also on this episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast to go through the latest and rumours in the transfer market, we are joined by F1 journalist for Motorsport Week and the editor as well at Motorsport Monday. It's Fergal Walsh. Fergal, first of all, welcome to the DNF1 podcast. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me on. I'm doing very good. Uh, also a little bored. Actually, a bit relieved, maybe. Uh, it's nice to take a step back from uh, F1 when it can be so intense sometimes. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to get back into it, uh, get back to seeing some racing. But yeah, me personally, doing doing good. That's good to hear. And of course, you know, being so busy, I suppose, getting your publications and articles out for the Monday issues, uh, particularly Motorsport Monday, obviously it must be quite hard sometimes to enjoy the races as they're happening live, but probably I imagine at the same time you've got your laptop on your lap and you're busy typing away race reports as and when the events are unfolding. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's it's quite quite hectic, the Grand Prix weekends, um, and I get, it, it, you can't really relax watch uh watch the race you're kind of um you know taking it all in and making sure you haven't missed anything um and and uh, but you get used to it and it's a lot of fun and i enjoy it so yeah well that's always good to hear but of course guys we are going to be discussing the transfer stories and i suppose guys it's there's probably no better place to start than the real big marquee transfer story at the moment of course that is the future at mercedes at the moment, the seat seems to be fight fought over, I should say, between two drivers, Valtteri Bottas and George Russell. There was a time, of course, where we were wondering when Lewis Hamilton was going to commit to his future in Formula One. He has now done so. I, think, I believe it was the Styrian Grand Prix. He'd done that, committed for another two years. So, of course, since then, now the focus has been on who is going to be partnering for next season, George Russell 
and Valtteri Bottas. And Fergal, of course, I'm going to come to you first on this one, uh, seeing as you may have had a bit of an inside track on this, but are we expecting a confirmation from Mercedes during the summer break? Because I know they've teased the idea, potentially there were rumours going around, we may get a confirmation at Silverstone. Of course, that didn't happen. And now we're into the summer break, where it does seem very likely that we're going to get some kind of news on that. But do you think that's going to be the case? Or do you think Mercedes will leave this as long as possible to confirm who the number two driver will be? Well, yeah, I think obviously it's a it's a huge decision for Mercedes to make. Uh, well, it's a huge decision for anything to make. But, you know, Mercedes are championship contending team. Um, they're expected to win a Grand Prix you know, weekend in, weekend out. So um, they have their star man in Lewis Hamilton tied up for another couple of years, of course. And um, yeah, putting another driver alongside him um, is, is, a, is a difficult choice to make, especially when you've had Valtteri Bottas there for a number of years. You've known how he's performing alongside. Maybe, um, you know, he has struggled a little bit um, against Hamilton, but he's been the perfect team player. And then you have Russell, who is... Um, you know, Mercedes is young star and I guess they're world champion of the future, let's say. Um, but I mean, the consensus is and the feeling is that around that you know, it's going to be Russell that's going to be in that Mercedes seat next year. Um, as for when it might be announced, I'm not 100% sure, but we've seen last year that, um, or, well, it was even this year when... Hamilton, uh, his new his first contract that he signed this year, um, how late that was, and Mercedes are very keen to avoid something like that happening again. Um, so uh, it will be done, I think, sooner rather than later. Um, and also as well, you know, if if it is the case that Russell gets in at the seat, it gives Bottas a chance to shop around and um, and land somewhere else if there are seats going. That is. So you seem quite convinced, obviously, that it's going to be George Russell. Um, I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion where I think Mercedes kind of know what they have in Valtteri Bottas. He's very much a well-known entity. He's been with the team now for, uh, you know, five years or so. He's been a huge part of their success in that period in dominating Formula One alongside Lewis Hamilton. And whilst Valtteri Bottas has reinvented himself over and over again, I mean, there was the occasional radio message to who it may concern, Valtteri 2.0, I think we're up to Valtteri 3.98 or something like that, whichever version we're getting. But it does seem now that perhaps for whatever reason, Valtteri's powers, if you like, are starting to diminish a little bit, not necessarily um, in terms of being able to get the absolute maximum out of the car, but it just seems that the value of Bottas does seem to diminish and perhaps that's no longer enough to give Mercedes what they want in terms of a reliable number two that can pick up the pieces week in, week out, and most importantly, can be uh, without using uh, the the pun turn, if you like, the wingman role, if you like, to provide that support. And, you know, I think the biggest indicator for me is that uh, owing to the future of Bottas and Russell, respectively, whereas Mercedes are concerned, is the recent tyre test that Pirelli conducted with Mercedes at the Hungarian Grand Prix, where it was George Russell that had actually partook in that test, doing 137 laps. And, you know, for me, I just feel that because Mercedes, have, they know Russell so well. He's a very much a known entity in the team, as well as Bottas is. He's done six tests with them since he joined them in 2017. Uh, he had that run out in Sakir. 
are we seeing with this tire test perhaps an early indication bearing in mind this is valuable data that will be useful to whichever drivers in that seat next season that perhaps it does seem that George Russell's name is already on that seat and it's a case of when will they announce it I mean well Lewis Hamilton first of all hates um, testing like that um, I mean maybe Valtteri wanted to do it I to be honest I don't really know but at the same time, you know, Russell is part of that Mercedes team and, um, you know, they obviously wanted to give him some some time in the car. Um, it might have been something, you know, a lot, a lot simpler than that or a perfectly valid reason. But, um, yeah, I mean, people were really focusing on that and, and as, a, as a clear indicator, I'm not really sure because... I think I think Mercedes at this stage have a have a good idea of, of you know what they what they want to do um, and you know whether or not him being in the car for that test has anything to do with it you know I don't really know but um, I guess for the George Russell fans it was nice to see him back in the Mercedes again um, but yeah I mean for me personally I wasn't really reading too much uh, too much into that um, as an indicator that he might be in the seat uh, next year but you know who knows I, I i again like i think it is possible because um obviously if he was going to be in that seat next year i think mercedes know what they're doing by putting him you know from in a, in, from a, in a public point of view they know what they're doing uh, by putting him in that seat and you know posting the pictures and, and stuff like that so we'll see them no, it's interesting you mentioned that because I suppose a situation like this, you have to really manage your PR as best as you can. And it does in itself present opportunities, as you mentioned. I mean, earlier in the season, of course, uh, as you were right to mention, Lewis Hamilton doesn't like testing. It's one thing that he has done a little bit more this season and some simulator work as well. Perhaps this battle with Max Verstappen has really uh, invigorated that motivation to do the extra work, of course. Um, you know, there's not much more that Lewis can do these days, but, you know, in order to stay on top. Um, but I, I'm kind of drawing attention as well to the first two Pirelli tests that Mercedes did. There was two days that they did at Imola. Uh, Bottas did day two, I think it was. Hamilton did day one. And then, of course, they had a day session at Paul Ricard, which was cancelled, which I believe Bottas was meant to do that. So in my mind, if Mercedes are going to commit to say, let's say they commit to Bottas for another year, it would make more sense to put Bottas in the car to do that Hungary test rather than waste a day. And I use the term waste loosely in this waste a day in putting a, a driver that is also fighting for that seat to get all of that experience and that running on the 2022 tires, when it'd be much more valuable and useful to one of the other two drivers, assuming Bottas was going to get that seat next year. So because he hasn't to me, I just go, I just turn my cynical hat on and say there aren't really any coincidences in Formula One. There is definitely a premeditation to this. Um, Courtney, I'm going to bring you into this discussion as well. Um, obviously, Virgil and I have just been talking about, you know, do we believe that this tyre test is going to give us an idea of to who is actually going to be in this car this season, especially given the timing of the test as well? How do you see it? Do you feel that um, George Russell, this is perhaps a premeditation for Mercedes to prep George Russell and then announce him for next season? Or do you feel that this is just a coincidence and George was always planned to be in this car for this test? I feel like we've been uh, discussing this topic since we started this podcast 18 months ago, Adam, to be honest. It's been ongoing for ages. I think Mercedes have been aminoring over this for a while now. Um, in my opinion, I think Mercedes 
should go for Russell. I think given the circumstances, um, I think it's great having a wingman. You look back to the Ferrari dominance when you had Rubens Barrichello, you know, in this case with uh, Mercedes with Bottas. It works when the team is dominant, but I think we're going into an era now where Mercedes in theory won't be having it easier. We've seen it this season. They've got a stiff challenge with Red Bull and Max Verstappen, and I expect the challenge to be a lot more difficult next season with the change of regulations where I expect the likes of Ferrari and perhaps McLaren to come into the mix. So I think they need two drivers that are capable of winning races on a regular basis in order to challenge the teams that they're going to be coming up against. And, you know, you've both said it uh, previously in the episode that I think it's fair to make the decision early, not only for um, George Russell, but for Valtteri Bottas to find a team for next season because it's such an important time to settle down to a new team given the big changes that we're having. I think it's important, and it is, and it is important for Mercedes. They need stability because if a team goes in the next season in any way with any kind of um, instability, then they are going to struggle because I expect the grid to be very... um, I expect the grid to be very tight next season. And if, and if a team makes a mistake, they could find themselves falling behind. No, and, that, and that's very, very true. I think, you know, you have to weigh all this up. Mercedes have to look at their options with Russell. Um, I mean, for me, I kind of feel that there's a potential fear here that if Mercedes don't pull the trigger and put Russell in the car now, there's always that potential that they could lose him, i.e. Mm-hmm. by not being able to produce a good car and perhaps one of their rivals produce a brilliant car and they look at Russell and think, actually, this is an opportunity for us to perhaps nab one of Mercedes's young protégés, young prospects for the future. Or in the case where Russell has kind of been put off by this Mercedes project and decides to look elsewhere and take a gamble. You know, there's, I don't think there are really any seats where he can do that right now, but it's certainly something on the back of his mind. Um, Fergal, one thing I did want to ask, actually, to get your opinion, because this actually... I was, we were recording an episode with uh, Matt Gallagher from WTF1 last week, and he made a really interesting point about the identity at Mercedes, obviously association with Daimler Group. uh, Mercedes obviously want, they don't want Mercedes to become too British, if you like. Of course, they've got a British world champion in their team, the base at Brackley, uh, a lot of personnel, of course, dating back from the Honda days, if you like. So very much a British core there. And of course, adding George Russell, into their driver lineup just increases that Britishness a little bit more, perhaps to separate them almost from that identity they have as a German manufacturer. Do you feel that's something that might be on Mercedes's mind when they make a decision like this? Because it wasn't so long ago that Mercedes were considering having Nico Hülkenberg in that car alongside Nico Rosberg before they looked at Hamilton um, after Michael Schumacher went. Uh, yeah, I think I think well, your voice cut out of it there, but I think what you were getting at was the um the uh mercedes not becoming too british was it yes uh, yeah um i mean if you want to focus on that too much then um you know maybe that it could be an issue it, it depends you know what the the daimler and the mercedes board think of it um if they want to keep it to keep that sort of german heritage and that um you know and not have it too I guess publicly, because at the end of the day, the two drivers are the two most public figures in a Formula One team. Um, you know, at the same time, you have Lewis Hamilton, the greatest Formula One driver of all time. You know, Manny might say, um, and George Russell, who has, for, well, pretty much since his debut in Formula One, has been, I guess, heralded as this up and coming world champion in the future. And I think pairing them together is is um, you know, it's headlines, it's, it's, you know, it's a really, really 
strong team that you're going to have there um it's going to get a lot of publicity it's going to get a lot of um you know action on the track uh, whether mercedes would like that or not uh, i don't know but it's it, it is it is um it is a thought i'm sure that they probably will consider because um the drivers are you know very important like i said to the team but whether their nationality really should matter i'm not, i'm not too sure um i think if you have the opportunity there to secure well he's already secured in lewis hamilton you know the the arguably the best of all time and a star of the future if you have that opportunity there in front of you I, I think you should just go for it. Um, I mean, I'm speaking here as a, you know, a, 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 a casual, uh, you know, I'm not on any Mercedes or Daimler board, but um, yeah, I, it might be a consideration, but at the end of the day, the, the team needs results. And if they think the pairing uh, will get results, then that has to be the most important factor. No, absolutely. And I think, it's always interesting to think about these things because I think if you take another team, say Ferrari, for example, I think there's nothing more that they would want than having an Italian driver in their team that is of the world-class caliber that they currently have in the likes of perhaps Charles Leclerc. But of course, the closest thing to that at the moment is Antonio Giovinazzi. And I think it's fair to say he's probably not at that level, at least not quite yet, but we'll know. Um, But I think it's, in, it's an interesting point because I think a lot of things are probably going into the decision between whether or not to bring Bottas in or to Russell. And there's a lot of question marks over George Russell that I think still need answering over his potential. Of course, we're probably not going to get answers to at Williams. I think we got a lot of those when we saw him in that run in Sakir in the Mercedes that I think he impressed so much. So I think it's important to take that into consideration. Um, Courtney, Looking at this season as a whole, of course, we come now to the Hungarian Grand Prix. And I know traditionally it's not really a good idea to judge um, your candidates, if you like, for a seat based on one performance. Um, And, you know, George Russell scored his first points for Williams at this Grand Prix. And by contrast to his amazing fortunes, uh, and you can see the emotion that he expressed on his face at that, Valtteri Bottas had one of the worst weekends of his Formula One career. And whilst it's tempting to look at that one race and say Valtteri Bottas has been terrible, even though Mercedes did gain unintentionally from Bottas's uh, mistakes. And Russell was, uh, you know, by contrast, brilliant in the Williams to a degree and got those first points. Should we be looking at that performance in a bit more detail um, as just to sum up where their seasons have been? Or should we be judging them as a whole based on what they've done in, the, say, the last 18 months if, uh, for a more fairer comparison? Yeah, I think it's. I think they should react more to how Bottas has reacted to the new challenge from Red Bull. Um, he's, he's had a bit of an up and down season, but overall, I don't think he's been good enough. There have been one or two races where Valtteri has been needed to back Lewis because the, the obviously the performance has been so close between the two teams, and it hasn't been there. It hasn't been there for them. So, I think that's something worth considering. It's easy to look back on things hypothetically, but I look back on one or two of those races and I just wonder if George Russell was in that seat. I wonder if Mercedes could have been in a much healthier position in the Constructors' Championship or maybe won one or two more races than they actually have. And I'm sure that's the sort of thing that Mercedes would be thinking about. And as I said earlier on, I think it's only going to get tougher for Mercedes. And I think they need the two best possible drivers they can get in order to handle the up-and-coming challenge. 
No, that's a fair point. I mean, uh, Fergal, what do you say to that sort of question as well? Because I'm looking at the points totals this season. Of course, Valtteri Bottas has scored, I think it was 55% of the points that Lewis Hamilton has scored this season. And whilst Lewis Hamilton always scores lots of points, that's the worst showing or performance that Bottas has put in compared to his teammate at this point of the season since he has been at Mercedes. Um, Should we be focusing more on that? rather than his performance at Hungary, which equally was not very impressive either. And in a way, could perhaps be the final nail in the coffin for Mercedes in terms of whether or not he was going to stay. Yeah, I think, well, I think there's so many factors that you need to consider when, I guess, assessing a performance. But, I mean, you could say that this year in particular is probably the most crucial of Bottas's year so far with Mercedes, um, simply because... You know, we have this great um, battle between Red Bull and, and Mercedes. I feel like it's it, it's going to be a real team effort this year. In the last couple of years, it's it's kind of been easy, let's say, for Mercedes. They've been unchallenged. Um, Bottas hasn't been able to challenge Hamilton, of course, but his his contribution um, in the Constructors' Championship was very valuable. And I think, you know, I, I think it's probably fair to say that Bottas isn't challenging for the drivers championship this year um you know we're halfway through the year and it's, it's very much on on Verstappen and Hamilton you must say um so what Bottas is doing now is you know making sure that he's collecting the points and, and beating Perez uh, and, and ensuring that uh he can make Mac Verstappen's life difficult in races going forward that will help um Mercedes's fight for the constructors championship and if he can Lewis's fight for the drivers and I think if he does a good job there I think that's where I guess he he needs to be assessed and of course he has had off weekends this year um and I, I think we've accepted well we accepted a long time ago that he's not up to the challenge he's not up to the pace of Lewis Hamilton a few drivers are but um I think it's it's I think it's a bit unfair to like just completely write him off, let's say, and um, not, I, I guess, give him a chance or, or step back and just sort of consider, you know, what is he doing in the Constructors um, Championship for Mercedes? And in the second half of the season, I think that will be, well, of course, it will be very, very crucial. And if we do get news that he is leaving the team, um, you know, soon, how his attitude is, you know, after that, will he go out? Will he fight? Will he? I'm sure he, you know, he will help Mercedes as much as he can. He's still a professional. Um, but seeing what attitude he takes uh, on the track, um, and if it does something to boost his performance or uh, the opposite, um, I think will be very, very interesting to see. I think it's very much in his self-interest that even if he does lose the seat in Mercedes, that perhaps the potential options that are available to him would want to know that Valtteri is still uh, very much an asset to them and still has plenty to offer to those teams that might be inquiring about his services. Um, I mean, just to sort of round this up now, I think before we move on to the next part, um, Fergal, I'm, I'm kind of getting the vibe that you very much think that Russell, it's now going to be his time for that seat next season. Uh, am I right? I think so. I think it's also very strange that we have in Formula One such a, a long-standing pairing. It's not so often we get. So I think Hamilton and Bottas are fast approaching to be the most um, 
the most uh, drivers paired together across, uh, you know, as teammates. Um, so I think for Mercedes entering, you know, a new era of F1, let's say, uh, with the new regulations, a new driver in there, I think it could serve them well. So I'm going to say that, yeah, Russell will be there next year. Yeah. And Courtney, obviously no secret. Um, we've talked about this a few times, but for the, for the sake of this, who do you think is going to be in that seat next season, Bottas or George Russell? Yeah, I reckon it'd be Russell, but I've been saying this for quite a while now. So I'll be I'll be almost pleasantly surprised, actually, when it's finally announced. But I do expect it deep down to happen. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you both. As I said, I think for a while I felt that the vibe was that if George Russell impressed this season in the way that he has done in the past, and if anything, he's gone into new, he's found another level of performance. He's been consistently in Q2. Obviously, had that Q3 appearance at Silverstone, let's not forget. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that his qualifying performance was not great in Hungary compared to the other races, that was the one he scored points. And you could see the emotion on his face. Perhaps there was an incentive in his contract, perhaps, that if he was able to score points in the Williams, he may get that opportunity in Mercedes. And that's what we saw, perhaps. Um, hard to tell. Of course, we can speculate till the cows come home on this. But I do think that Mercedes putting George in that tyre test at Hungary was not as premeditated as perhaps some people may think it is. I think that that is a clear sign, especially given that Mercedes aren't going to learn anything new from George Russell that they don't already know. And George is not going to do anything more in terms of setting foundations with the team that he's had had done in the past, having tested them five times in the past already, that given there's so much valuable data that can be learned for this for next season, that it makes sense to put a driver in that car at this point of the season that you expect to be in that car for 2022 so i think it's going to be george russell as well but of course we'll have to wait and see when mercedes do announce it if we are right on that one but on the subject of valtteri bottas now we're assuming of course that he's not going to be in that car next season so let's assume that we're right on this one um for once we're right on this one and look at his potential options now a lot of news has been going on about a potential switch to Alfa Romeo. There's been options in the news about potentially going into the World Rally Championship, although Bottas has stressed that uh, he's a bit long in the tooth, if you like, despite being only 31, to really develop a full-time career there in the same way Raikkonen tried to do a decade ago. The obvious seat for me that I think makes sense to Valtteri uh, and, you know, not only suits his needs, but suits the needs of his potential new suitors is at Williams. And Fergal, looking at this situation, Valtteri Bottas, of course, Williams increasing their technical partnership with Mercedes for 2022. Does it seem obvious that a swap between George Russell and Valtteri Bottas, if George Russell does get the Mercedes seat, is the best option for all parties? Um, I'm not so sure. Um, you know, I think Williams is is a very interesting um, seat for next year. Should George Russell move on um, and should Nicholas Latifi even be there as well? Um, but because, uh, there's so many, there's so many, I think candidates for that Williams seat. And if Bottas is on the market, then, I mean, we could, we could slot him in there and say that he is a candidate. Um, of course, that's where he spent his years before, before he went to Mercedes um, and and built up, you know, a, a good reputation, a, a good reputation that was deemed, you know, good enough to uh, to replace a world champion in, in Nico Rosberg. So, um, I think it is it is an option um, if that's what Bottas wants to do. Of course, it would be a step back, even with the new regulations coming in next year. 
you know, there's even Williams aren't expecting to you know, make a sudden jump to, to the head of the field. But um, it, it could be an interesting development, an interesting step for Bottas, um, especially if he wants to remain in F1. Um, and I'm guessing as well, if, if that was the case, and as you mentioned, like a swap, let's say, for between Russell and, and Bottas, it, it would be very... Um, I don't want to use the word easy to negotiate, but it would be, let's say, a simple move around um, in terms of both of those teams. Mm. And, and Toto Wolf was very much involved in those negotiations to bring Bottas to Mercedes back in 2017, of course, to replace Nico Rosberg when he suddenly retired from Formula One as champion. And there's no doubt that Toto Wolf would be very much interested in ensuring Valtteri Bottas has a smooth transition or secures his future in F1 for the next couple of years, if of course he is leaving Mercedes. So it does make sense. I think with the technical partnership, Williams are going to benefit from Mercedes on top of the engines, of course, that they have for 2022 to have someone like Valtteri in their team. And it, and it presents an opportunity as well that isn't just um, one that can benefit from Valtteri's experience as well, but it's quite a cheaper option as well. I think than go for a new driver. There might be a way that Mercedes may want to keep Bottas on their books, which might involve them perhaps paying some of his salary or perhaps allowing Williams more subsidies on the engines, of course, that they already pay for uh, and the technical partnership as well. So I think it could benefit both sides. And of course, now that we've got Dalton Capital, we've got this element where they're obviously going to be very ambitious. They want to invest money into this team, very similar to what we're seeing with Aston Martin when they took over from Racing Point and they signed Sebastian Vettel. Courtney, does Bottas represent an opportunity for Williams to have a bit of a marquee signing, perhaps in the same way that Vettel was for Aston Martin over the next few years? Because they can sell him on a similar project that Aston Martin did with Vettel for the next three or four years. Of course, there's going to be a huge question mark over whether or not they can deliver on that in the same way that Aston Martin looked like they could with Vettel. Well, yeah, I think the move would be beneficial to uh, Williams uh, for several reasons. First of all, he's already said that the technical partnership with Mercedes already exists. I think it'd be helpful to Williams to have somebody of um, of Bottas's experience there. I think also he's already proven to be a good asset for Williams. He's done it before. Um, he was a very good driver for them. So they know what they're getting with him. And yeah, I think also... I think from a technical perspective, I think he's always been very, he's been a very good asset for Mercedes. So I think any team that Valtteri joins will be good for a team when it comes to development. So I think it'd be a wise, I think it'd be a, a good choice of driver for any team, really. And do you think Williams might be able to sell him on this project that they're going on? Because of course, as I said, like Aston Martin, they're very ambitious. And of course they have hopes that eventually they could return to the upper echelons of the F1 hierarchy in the next few years, maybe a bit longer than that. Valtteri's 31. So of course, if he is going to be sold on a project like this, it needs to have some elements where there's progress sooner rather than later. Do you think they have what it takes to convince a driver of Bottas's caliber to perhaps take that risk of joining a team that might not present him with those opportunities for race wins and podiums now, but perhaps could do so in the next few years? Well, it's easy to say from the outside, but if Bottas was to have a choice between Williams and Alfa Romeo. Williams look like they have a lot more ambition compared to Alfa Romeo. So it'd make more sense for Valtteri if he does have ambitions to be going towards the top again. Williams probably have a bigger chance of doing that. Obviously, where Ferrari go with their engine going forward will play a part in that as well. It'd be very interesting to see how they get on. But right now, I think Williams look like 
they have more potential. But what I do find interesting is that Valdir Bottas's choice will have wider implications for the wider transfer market, let's say, because if he goes to Williams and it's a straight swap, there isn't going to be as much movement. But if Valtteri goes to Alfa Romeo, you've then got a seat open at Williams, which could lead to a driver leaving from another team. I don't know, hypothetically speaking, we could say Pierre Gasly might go to might go to Williams. So then if he so if Valtteri Bottas does go to Alfa Romeo, we will be seeing a lot more movement with other drivers than we would if he just goes back to Williams. Mm, very much so. It does seem that Valtteri Bottas could potentially be the domino um, that if where it falls may dictate the rest of the driver market for next season. Um, Fergal, obviously on that subject of Bottas joint, potentially joining Williams, if he doesn't stay at Mercedes, of course, we've already talked about his mental state, his mindset when he's come up against someone like Lewis Hamilton and there've been occasions where he's had to play second fiddle. And of course, whilst Valtteri most of the time has been very supportive of doing that, obviously it has affected him mentally. Is do you feel that the uh, perhaps a decision to join Williams um, might be a good thing for Bottas's mindset? Because bearing in mind, he's got to weigh up the possibility that he could be leave, joining a team that may not be able to get him anywhere near a podium or perhaps even points over the next few years. Yeah, that's a, it's a very good point. Um, you know, it, it, I'm going to bring it back to what you said about him you know, want, probably wanting you know, to join a team project that has future, that has a movement, that has some sort of uh, progression going forward. Um, because if he is on the F1 field next year, wherever he is, if it's not Mercedes, that is, uh, wherever it is, it's going to be a step down from where he's been used to competing over the last couple of years, which is for wins, for podiums, um, at the very least. So, it's it's going to be a step down for him, but you know it's it's a new project. It's um, I think it's still something to get excited about. Um, you know we've seen Sebastian Vettel do it for uh, moving away from Ferrari, although that Ferrari was a lot less competitive. But you know it's still a Ferrari um, going to Aston Martin. Um, so I think it could work out well for Bottas if he. Um, if he finds a seat elsewhere on the F1 grid. Um, but yeah, like you said, it just, I think it does need that, that hint of we're going somewhere, we're doing this, we have this plan. And, you know, I, I don't really see the attraction if um, Bottas gets a seat just for the sake of being an F1 driver and, and staying in F1. Mm. I mean, you, you know, mentioned long-term projects, of course, Alfa Romeo probably tried to sell Bottas on a similar path to William selling their project. But um, despite the fact that they've increased their technical partnership with Sauber for 2024, I just don't feel that Alfa Romeo can offer Valtteri Bottas um, what he needs in terms or what he would want to have um, other than perhaps an opportunity to stay in F1 if there are no other seats available. But again, it just seems to me that perhaps if he isn't going to be at Mercedes, Williams would be the natural fit. But of course, we have to wait and see. Um, I mean, is there a risk with Bottas, Fergal, that if a seat doesn't present himself at Williams or Alfa Romeo that excites him enough to want to stay in Formula One, could could it be possible that we see Valtteri walk away from the sport? Because I think it's important to mention that he will very quickly become one of the most experienced drivers in Formula One in the top 30. He's had nine race wins with Mercedes, which is up there with some of the all-time greats, 17 pole positions, and of course runner-up in the Drivers' Championship on two occasions, as well as winning 
uh, five constructors titles while he's at, or four constructors titles, I should say. Um, other than winning a world championship, there's not much that Valtteri Bottas has achieved in the sport. And perhaps if he's not able to get a seat that can provide him with that opportunity, could we see the possibility where he may decide to walk away from F1 altogether? I think that is a very real possibility um, for all the reasons that you mentioned. And, you know, there's there's a life there's life in racing outside of Formula One. I think sometimes people forget that. Um, you know, we, we see Roman Grosjean doing quite well in IndyCar right now. Uh, Kevin Magnussen doing his stuff in, in sports cars with IMSA and, you know, Peugeot going forward. Um, you know, there's more, there's more out there. And, you know, it, I think Bottas's reputation, it's sort of been warped into, oh, he can't compete for a championship. He's no good. You know, he's still a very solid Formula One driver. And if you're a good Formula One driver, you know, you can be com- competitive nearly anywhere else in, you know, in racing. So um, if there is no real option that he sees as valuable to him going forward, um, I think I think we could see him race elsewhere. But I, I do think he will race somewhere else. I don't think he's, he'll be a guy to walk away from racing altogether. Um, that being said, I do think he will be in F1 um, next year. At least that's just my personal prediction um, is that he will still be on the grid next year. I certainly hope so, because I think Valtteri has a lot to offer to a lot of F1 teams on the grid. I think we shouldn't ignore the fact that despite the fact he's not obviously reaching the heights that Lewis Hamilton is, which of course, again, is almost impossible to do against one of the greatest drivers of all time. It does seem that compared to perhaps a few other teammates in top teams, that Valtteri is a consistent performer most of the time. And I think he's a very well-liked uh, driver. You know, he's got a great skill set and he's a very much a known entity. You know what you're going to get with Valtteri. He may not necessarily be a 10 out of 10 every day, but he's a solid 7 out or 8 out of 10 most days. And I don't think that should be ignored, despite having a car as good as a Mercedes. I don't think we should knock him for that in, in some way compared to some other drivers on the grid. Um I was hoping, actually, you mentioned, obviously, other avenues outside of F1 that are an option to him. Of course, let's not forget Marcus Ericsson. I'm surprised uh, you've yeah. most admitted him, actually, after winning the Music City Grand Prix in Nashville uh, yesterday, at the time of recording this, which was uh, incredibly impressive. Um, did either of you see that, uh, how that unfolded for Marcus Ericsson? Uh, I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was mad. Like he, he literally drove into the back of another car. Damage his front wing. I'm thinking he's lucky to still be in this race. And then he ends up winning the Grand Prix. It's incredible. So, uh, no, congrats to Marcus. And uh, it's nice to see, as you said, F1 drivers are still doing well. Of course, Roman Grosjean very no- nearly won the Indy Grand Prix, of course, coming second in that race as well. So there's definitely life after Formula 1 for a lot of these guys. And uh, it's good to see that even if Bottas doesn't want to stay in F1, there's definitely options out there for him. Um, let's move over to the other seat, but possibly at Williams, because I... I know for a while, it probably seemed obvious that Nicholas Latifi was still going to be in the Williams team. And perhaps after his performance at Hungary, getting uh, in the points as well for Williams, finishing ahead of George Russell, of course, that could be the performance he needed to put in to confirm his seat for next season. But I don't know if it's as cut and dry as that because they're being linked with so many other drivers. I mean, um, before he left the Williams Driver Academy, Dan Tictum was certainly 
one of the options I thought was going to be in that car. And of course, he left that because he felt that there was no seat available to him. Um, we're not going to mention the other controversy because apparently he claimed that that was not related. Um, and for those of you interested in what that was about, check out his Twitch stream from a couple of weeks ago. That was quite an interesting watch. Um, Jack Aiken, obviously another driver that's been on the books. Uh, Jamie Chadwick, of course, from W Series, as well at Williams was another option, although probably a bit more unlikely at this point in time. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, Danny Kvyat, obviously a reserve driver at uh, and development driver at Alpine at the moment. And then, of course, you've got Guan Yu Zhou and even Pierre Gasly. Um, Fergal, I've, I've listed so many names on there already, but is there anyone in that list or anyone I haven't already mentioned that perhaps could be in that Williams seat next season if it's not Nicholas Latifi? Um, I think it, it, you know, there's so many that it could be, except maybe Pierre Gasly. Um, I do think he will be at Alphatari again next year. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, I think, you know, Williams next year, their lineup could be totally different or could be totally the same. And that's just kind of how the situation is right now. It's not very clear who they'll go for. Um, yeah, obviously Latifi did very well at the Hungarian Grand Prix, um, got his first points in F1 in a, in a great drive, of course, was helped quite a bit by, you know, drama elsewhere, but you know, that's just how things go. Um, I honestly it's it's very very difficult to predict who could be in uh, that Williams seat next year uh, Guan Yu Zhou was actually a very interesting um, uh, mention of course he's part of the Alpine uh, Junior Academy but he does bring quite substantial backing and no Williams has said that that necessarily doesn't um, really you know excite them or it's not a necessity anymore um, going forward but um, I think J- Joe would be an interesting fish also commercially you know uh, as a Chinese driver it would be great for the team um, but yeah I think there's a lot of options going there I mean you mentioned of course that money or looking for a perhaps not necessarily paid drivers but drivers that come in with their own financial backing from an external third party uh, doesn't exactly be- become a necessity for Williams as perhaps it would have done a few years ago when they were having some Real financial troubles, of course, escalated further by the COVID pandemic a few years ago. Um, Nicholas Latifi, of course, it's documented or rumoured that he brings around £20 million worth of revenue into the team every season. Do you think that because Williams are not necessarily looking for money from one of their drivers as like a prerequisite for them to join, does that present a risk that we may not see Nicholas Latifi on the grid this year, this uh, next season, I should say, despite the fact that... Um, he's managed to get points for the team this season, which could be hugely valuable to them in terms of revenue. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, if they want feel they want to, I guess, reward him with uh, with a seat um, for next year because of that I don't know, but um, you know, Williams as of, as of right now, Williams don't have any drivers signed for next year, and if you don't have a contract in front of you um, and signed, then you know your future is uncertain. Courtney, of course, you know, mm-hmm. it's a really good point on Nicholas Satifi. I think, you know, he's a very much a known entity with the team. Uh, very professional, of course, with the way he carries himself uh, at Williams. I don't think I've heard anyone at Williams have any issues with stuff that he's done. Um, not necessarily the odd occasion where he might have an issue in free practice, etc. But then, of course, so many drivers do. Is there a concern that perhaps if a driver or perhaps an, is there an opportunity in the market, I should say? Because, you know, we mentioned Pierre Gasly. 
on a list of potential drivers. Now, of course, Fergal, I, I think you're absolutely right in that Alpha Tauri are going to confirm him for next season, and I think they should. But if there is a shred of doubt over Gasly's potential prospects at, at Red Bull or Alpha Tauri in the future, should Williams perhaps try to explore the possibility of luring in a, a very much a marquee signing of someone like Pierre Gasly in particular? It's definitely worth considering, um, particularly if Valtteri uh, Bottas goes to Alfa Romeo or stays at Mercedes. But if George Russell does leave Williams and joins Mercedes, I don't think it would be the best idea for Williams to have two new drivers going into next season, given the circumstances. I think what to, what what the teams need right now is continuity to go through this pro, this big change. So I think Williams would probably make a mistake if they were to start with two new drivers. And I think that's what will probably work in the Tiffy's favour. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, another name I want to mention, because we talked about Guan Yu Zhou, and whilst, yes, absolutely, having a Chinese driver in Formula 1, especially someone like Guan Yu Zhou, who currently is doing rather well in the F2 Championship, we, you know, is currently leading that, it just seems to me that there are other drivers out there that Williams could bring into this team that might be more appealing for them long-term, one of which already exists in the same driver academy as Guan Yu Zhou, and that's Oscar Piastri, the Formula 3 champion, another driver doing very, very well in Formula 2 this season with the Premier team. Um, if you had to pick one of the two, Piastri or Zhou, Fergal, which one would you be more interested in for Williams in the short-term and perhaps long-term future as well? Um, well, I think, personally, I think I'd be more excited by Piastri, um, especially recently. You know, I think his performances this year in Formula 2 have been fantastic. Um, and especially compared to Joe, who does have a bit more experience in, in that um, Formula 2 category. Um, and I think Piastri should be in line for a Formula 1 seat. Um I, I, whether it be next year or the coming years after that, I, I'm not so sure. But um, you know, it would be it would be great to see Piastri in there, and I think he's demonstrating in Formula Two that he deserves a spot in in Formula One. Um, but of course, you know, seats are just so hard to come by right now, and um, he is part of Alpine, but you know, there, there aren't seats there. So will they try to loan him off elsewhere to get him some F1 experience? I think that's a very real possibility. Um, otherwise, you're just going to get their talents uh, going to waste. Well, this is it, because I, I think Piastri's ceiling, with all respect to Guan Yu Zhou, is significantly higher than Guan Yu Zhou's. Um, you know, Guan Yu Zhou now, I think he's 25. He's been in Formula 2 for a few years now. And I've kind of expected Guan Yu Zhou to be performing at a level where he was competing and potentially leading the F2 Championship for a few seasons now. And I don't think we've really seen that. And it, it's almost hard to gauge how he's really doing compared to his competition because of how broken up the F2 calendar is now compared to how it used to be. So I look at the F2 field and there's a lot of potential there at the moment. So many good young drivers, but in terms of quality, I feel like Guan Yu Zhou had a much more competitive field of drivers around him when he started in F2 compared to where he is now. So it's probably easy to think that in the same way as um, Latifi and Luca Giotto were when they obviously were doing very well in the F2 championship that they looked a lot better against a much weaker field compared to where they were when they first in. So that's why I kind of look at someone like Piastri. I feel that there's certainly a lot there, and I think I'm very impressed with what he's doing this season. And, of course, another driver that I'm going to talk about um, in a bit when we talk about Alfa Romeo. But um, the Alpine Academy, 
on on this subject obviously you've mentioned there aren't seats available there have Alpine got them put themselves in a bit of a problem with this one um Courtney because they've got Guan Yuzhou they've got Oscar Piastri they've got Christian Lungard as well let's not forget him who's a very solid driver in his own right in F2 and even he is looking at potential drives in IndyCar and Formula E as well so do we feel that it's possible that we may end up seeing Alpine or Williams perhaps should look into potentially trying to sign one of their drivers and offer them the golden ticket of a Formula One seat? I don't think it's a problem that uh, exists primarily for Alpine. I think it's a problem that exists for F2 drivers in general. I think this is probably the first season in quite a while now where we haven't seen F2 drivers being linked with um, F1 seats. Obviously, we've seen it recently with uh, last season with Mazepin, we've seen Mick Schumacher, George Russell, Lando Norris. We've been seeing quite a few F F two drivers coming to F one recently, but this season seems to be a lot more slow, a lot more slow compared to usual. Um, the team that looks most likely to bring an F two driver will most likely be Alfa Romeo, and that's why going back to original point, Ferrari have so many drivers in their junior academy that could that are ready to go into F one as well. But it's only because Alfa Romeo are more likely the Ferrari are under less pressure. So I think it's a problem that exists for all the big teams with um, with, uh, with a junior programme, not just Alpine. Yeah, there just doesn't seem to be enough seats to facilitate all of these mm-hmm. young drivers in these academies. Seem to have got to a point now where so many of them in the past couple of years have made it onto the Formula One grid, of course, through virtue of their talent. And of course, in some cases, a little bit of support along the way. But we're now at a point now where these teams obviously perhaps sold this dream to their drivers when they recruited them and potentially being in their car in the future. It's just not available to them. And signing someone like Ocon for a couple of years, of course, I think was a very, very good move. And obviously they got a win out of it and hopefully that will work out for them. But Alonso as well, it's made things even tougher for Alpine as well as Alonso has been. It is putting a blocker in the way for these young drivers. So I think you know, someone like Oscar Piastri, if a seat at Williams becomes available next season, I think he should really think long and hard about whether or not he goes for it or tries to try and get in the Alpine for 2023, depending on what he does in F2. But um, I'm going to wrap this up with Williams. Um, guys, I'm going to ask you both who you think is going to be in those two seats next season. I'm going with Latifi and Bottas. Fergal, who are you going with next season for Williams? Oh, man. This is literally like the million-dollar question. Um I'm going to go Latifi and let's go for Danny Kvyat. Why not? Oh, we didn't talk about Kvyat much, Um, but uh, I'm curious to ask why, because Kvyat, of course, he made his return to Formula One uh, a little, you know, not too long ago. He was doing well as a Ferrari reserve, well, development driver, done a good job there. And of course, still involved with Alpine. Do you feel that? I mean, why do you think Kvyat will be given a third opportunity into Formula One? Um, it's called Eeny, Meeny, Money, Mo. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like um, I was sort of tempted to say maybe Latifi and Joe, but I don't know if that would really work. I think Kvyat is hes an experienced Formula One driver. hes um, I think he's quite underrated, actually. Um, I think he's put in some great performances in, in previous years. Didn't have the easiest of careers in Formula One with all the, the mess that was created by, um, by um, you know, Red Bull and all that promotion and demotion. And I think, I think it would be nice to see him get like a, a shot in a new environment um, at a new team. Um, and it's 
more just a, a personal wish of mine. Um, but I, I think it, it is an outside option for Williams. Um, and if it happens, then I'll probably look like a genius. So <laughs> uh, why not? You have to I'll clip this. I'll certainly be giving you credit if you do. You'll have to clip that one. Um, so Courtney, I'm going with Latifi Bottas. Fergal is going with Latifi and Kvyat, if I remember rightly. Um, Courtney, who's your two for Williams next season? Yeah, well, I'm going to uh, second what you said. I, I, I just think there's too too close a bond between Mercedes and Williams. I just think it makes a whole lot of sense for there to be a straight swap between their drivers. And as I always said about Latifi, I I think um, I think he's he's been a, a stable asset for them. The way that Bottas has been for Mercedes, so I think that 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 lineup would be quite solid for Williams. So I reckon that's what they'll be aiming for. That's it. That's if George Russell even goes to Williams. Uh, yeah, we're assuming a lot here yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's weird guys of course in the comment section if you are watching this podcast on youtube let us know who you think is going to be in the mercedes next season who you think is going to be in the williams and of course let us know about alfa romeo alfa tauri and red bull as we're going to get into right now so alfa romeo again we've already talked about this one potentially as an option for valtteri bottas and whilst i don't think Alfa Romeo can present to him a project as exciting as one at Williams, or if Mercedes give him a contract extension, that becomes irrelevant anyway, because there's no way Bottas is going to turn down an extension with Mercedes once again. But there are some options available for Alfa Romeo next season. Now, of course, currently they have Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi. We've seen for a long time now that Kimi Raikkonen has been signing extensions left, right and centre to stay with the team and stay in Formula One. Fergal, on the topic of Kimi Raikkonen, whilst in the last couple of weeks, he's been driving okay, you know, on the fringes of the points, of course, until we find out what happens with Vettel. Of course, this podcast is being recorded on Monday evening. So we may know, of course, by the time this comes out, what happens to his appeal. Um, do you feel that Kimi Raikkonen is, is there really room for him now in Formula One? Because I love having Kimi in F1. I think he's great. Um, I was watching Grill the Grid the other day when he would deliberately got himself out of that line of questioning just because he didn't want to be there, which I thought was hilarious, typical Kimi Raikkonen. Um, but it does seem now that Kimi is very much driving in F1 for the fun of it, rather than being super motivated to try and deliver um, those performances to help Alfa Romeo. And, and with that being said, do you feel that Alfa Romeo need to now finally cut the cord and say, okay, we need to look at our options elsewhere and for the next couple of years? Because we all know Kimi's not going to be around that long, but um, it does seem a decision needs to be made now. Yeah, and I think um, Alpha's decision will be made quite soon. Um, you know, Kimi, obviously he's the most experienced Formula 1 driver of all time, so regardless of his speed, which, you know, isn't isn't drastic by any measure, um, his input, his experience is going to be value, valuable for any team. Um, and... Yeah, it's he has. I think you know, obviously, the Kimi that that we saw years and years ago, you know, it's not the same Kimi as right now. Um, you know, pace wise, of course, he doesn't have the car to compete. But I think, um, yeah, I think possibly I'd be very surprised if Kimi was still on the grid next year. Um, you know, he's he's been around for so long that um, what he like you said what he was doing for the fun of it. I think that was kind of the point for him when he was leaving Ferrari and going back to um, Alfa Romeo, you know, because he loves racing. Um, 
you and you know formula one is the the highest form of motor racing so um if there was an opportunity there i think he he um would still like to continue um and i guess the question is whether alfa romeo still wants him or not um and you know i i'm not so sure i think they they could they've had this raikkonen giovinazzi lineup for for a couple of years now and i think it could be at a stage where they look to change that and um bring in not one but perhaps maybe two new drivers for next year and in a way you've kind of beat me to the punch of this one because my next question was going to be on that subject i mean Courtney, this season, of course, Alfa Romeo, for a time, obviously they were planning on next season, hoping to be a much more competitive team in the midfield, at least for next season. But they probably were safe in the knowledge for a while that the likes of Williams and Haas were going to be very, very unlikely to overhaul them in the Constructors' Championship. Now that they that Williams have, after that incredible Hungarian Grand Prix, where, by contrast, even though Kimi technically has a point, we'll have to wait and see what happens with the Vettel appeal, but Aston Martin were nowhere near in terms of securing an opportunity to get some big points. And you can argue that that car is faster than the Williams when you consider the all-round package. So because of what we've seen this season, and most importantly, what we saw at Hungary, is that perhaps the the sign that from for Freddie Fasser to perhaps look at replacing both of their drivers rather than just Kimi Raikkonen? Um, possibly. I think, as I said, with the, uh, with the Williams situation, I don't think teams would be looking to replace both of their drivers in one go. I think with Kimi, the thing with Kimi is that Kimi's marketable. He still has a decent amount of speed as well. And I think that's what is keeping Kimi's seat. The fact that he's marketable is well-loved within the Formula 1 fan base. But Kimi, Kimi being Kimi, he might make the decision just, just to leave out of nowhere. Let's not roll that out, given the way that he behaves. But... I think that Alfa Romeo will look to remove one led drivers. And I feel that if Kimi stays, I think Giovinazzi might be released because I think there's a lot of talent in that Ferrari um, junior programme that are waiting to get a seat in Formula One. So I do, I expect, I expect one led drivers to arrive next season. I don't know which one, but there's, there's so many to choose from. So yeah, I think if Kimi remains, Giovinazzi will go. And then obviously vice versa. I think um, if Kimi does choose to go, we'll be seeing one of those F2 drivers coming. Yeah, um, and we're getting a lot of signals at the moment from Alfa Romeo over where their tactics are in terms of their driver lineup for next season. I think they've been very much outspoken over the disappointment of the fact that they missed out on some potentially big points in Hungary and how it could cost them in the uh, 2021 Championship, owing to what Williams did by comparison, where they were so impressive. And Alfa Romeo's new CEO, uh, Jean-Philippe Imperato, has said that the decision on this is going to be purely down to Freddie Vasseur. Um, and Freddie Vasseur himself has, you know, gone on record as well and saying he's wanted to continue, not necessarily continue the partnership with Ferrari, but he's very much focusing his attention on the young drivers at Ferrari. So, of course, Giovinazzi, of course, is one of them uh, still on the books at Ferrari. You've got Callum Eilot, who's still with Ferrari. Of course, technically, Mick Schumacher is technically an option as well, being a part of that academy. Robert Schwartzman, uh, Marcus Armstrong, you know, so there's so many good options there. Um, I'm also going to chuck in Teo Porcher because I think Teo Porcher is the most likely candidate out of all of them to be in a Alfa Romeo seat next season, perhaps to replace Kimi Raikkonen. Now, of course, Teo Porcher, a very, very young driver at 17, was the youngest F2 winner at the Monaco Grand Prix. And in my opinion, 
I've mentioned already the likes of Guan Yu Zhou, Oscar Piastri as well, who fought with him in Formula 3 in the championship last season, um, coming out on top, of course. But Teo Porcher has an incredibly high potential, in my opinion, and I think could be very much the next young driver, the next 18-year-old, if you like, in Formula 1 with Alfa Romeo. Um, Fergal, what do you think of that op- option? Um, and, and including some of the other names I've mentioned as well, the likes of the Ferrari drivers as well. Do you think that Teo Porcher could be the favourite for... Alfa Romeo next season, providing as well he also tested that uh, for Alfa Romeo in that Pirelli tyre test um, on Tuesday or Wednesday, I should say. Um, yeah, well, the the test wasn't part of the Pirelli test. It was just a private, uh, it went alongside the Pirelli test, but it was just a, a private thing. Um, yeah, I think Pusher is a very, very strong option. Um, he is, of course, backed by Sauber, who... Um, you know, this essentially still behind the Formula One team. Um, yeah, I think he he's a fantastic driver. He's um, he really kind of burst onto the scene, especially last year in Formula Three, finishing second in the championship um, at such a young age, and has done pretty well for his first season in Formula Two this year. Um, and yeah, I've been really really impressed by him. I think he does have a bright future in Formula One, um, whether or not you know they want to push him into that seat so quickly remains to be seen but um from the formula two grid i think him and robert schwartzman are probably the two options that could fill the that seat at alfa romeo or one of the seats at alfa romeo next year um you know i i wouldn't think the two of them would get chucked in there at once um but I, I, I do think uh, Porsche is a, a very strong option um, and a very strong driver uh, of the future. And if they think he's ready for next year, I mean, I think he's, he turns 18. I think it's very soon, actually. I think it's later in, in August. Um, I think, you know, he'll he'll be under a lot of pressure if he does come into F1 next year at such a young age. Um, but, you know, he's handled pressure pretty well so far, I think. Um, and it would be really really cool to see another 18 year old star um in f1 again because we all know uh what what became of the the last uh young star like that in in f1 yeah absolutely yeah and yeah you're right to point out of course it was a private test not a pirelli test he was driving a 2019 alfa mayo um another alfa mayo test that was going on as well that week was for uh, mr mahavir ranganathan for anyone who remembers him um is there any chance that he's going to get a seat next season for Alfa Mayo? I'd like to think. <laughs> well, I mean, I was looking at the times. I think they were because sh- they did photos with both drivers and they were showing their lap times. And I think, um, I think, uh, oh, was it Teo did one in the mid 117s and then I think Raganathan was in the 121. So, yeah, clearly, probably the pace is not there for Raganathan. And uh, if anyone's watched him in F2, I mean, I can imagine a team of him and Deleda in Formula One, and that would be chaos, I suppose. It'd be Mazepin in Bahrain times a thousand. Um, just how disastrous that could possibly be. Um, jokes aside, Courtney, topic of Alfa Romeo's season. Of course, we've mentioned a lot of drivers already. Giovinazzi, we haven't really spoken much about him so far. You know, I've always been a fan of Giovinazzi. I felt that he was a good driver and I felt that there was, you know, he can offer that level of consistency and performance that perhaps we haven't seen as often as we would have liked. But 
Do you feel that owing to where Alfa Romeo find themselves this season, that perhaps they've kind of lost patience with Giovinazzi and feel that perhaps they need to look at the well of other Ferrari drivers in their academy that could perhaps do a better job for them long term? Yeah, as I said earlier on, I think it all depends on what um, Kimi does because Giovinazzi has proven to be a solid driver for um, Alfa Romeo. He has a lot of experience now. And they're going to need experience, particularly if they bring in a young driver. So he does have some assets to still offer Alfa Romeo going into next season. But I I just feel that they'd prefer to keep Kimi because of his marketability. So it all depends on Kimi. But Giovinazzi does have a chance to keep his seat. And what about the prospect of maybe convincing Mick Schumacher maybe to come to Alfa Romeo? Because That'd be a good shout. Last season, of course, we we expected Mick Schumacher, I think, for a long time to be in that Alfa Romeo seat. There was obviously meant to be the, the FP1 session at the Eiffel Grand Prix, which, of course, didn't happen because of the wet weather. And then out of nowhere, Haas managed to negotiate a deal with Nick Schumacher, Mick Schumacher, I should say, to get into the team, um, obviously in line with uh, a sponsorship deal from a German-based company owing to what we saw in Drive to Survive. So do you think there's a realistic opportunity that Alfa Romeo could convince Mick Schumacher to switch from Haas to Alfa Romeo? Or do you feel that Mick would be better off just staying where he is at Haas and just continue his development there? Uh, Fergal, I'll ask you that one. Um, to be honest, I don't see that happening. Um, Haas were very adamant when they signed Schumacher and Mazepin that they w- would have them for 2022, that they'd use their rookie years to build them up and to you know gain experience and then have that um, as their foundations for the 2022 regulations. Um, so, I mean, essentially, they're, they're under contract for next year. So I, I don't see anything like that happening, um, even though it might be nicer. Well, I mean, we don't know exactly where Haas will place on the grid next year. Um, uh, you know, although the same can be said for Alfa Romeo, but um, I do expect um, Schumacher to stay at, at Haas next year. And Courtney, do you second that, what Fergal said? Do you think Mick Schumacher perhaps should stay at Haas, or do you think perhaps if Alfa Romeo dangle a much faster carrot in front of him, that maybe that's perhaps an opportunity for him to take? Yeah, I'm sure there's always that sort of uh, curiosity, you know, particularly when agents get involved as well. But um, yeah, I, I think he'll stick with Haas for another. He, do, he does seem like the type of driver that jumps ship very easily. He seems to be quite loyal. So yeah, I expect him to do another season at Haas at least. Yeah, I mean, for him, it could come down to what Ferrari want for him because... It's no secret that Alfa Romeo and Haas are very much fighting to be Ferrari's B team, if you like, for a lack of a better way of putting it. And Haas have benefited very much from the increased involvement from Ferrari since they signed Mick Schumacher last year. And of course, historically, Alfa Romeo have benefited from that themselves in previous years. So I imagine they obviously want to keep that going. Fred Vasseur obviously very much looking at the Ferrari options, of course, for one of the drivers. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with the other seat. But um, obviously, you know, I'm going to, Put the question to you both on this one. Who do you think is going to be the Alfa Romeo drivers for 2022? I personally, I'm going to go for Teo Porcher and Robert Schwartzman. I think we're going to see an all new lineup in the Alfa Romeo team next season. Courtney, I'm going to come to you first on this one. I'm going to go with Kimi Schwartzman. Okay. I think Schwartzman has proven to be uh, very reliable in F2. I think he's unlucky to not get a seat last season. I, I just think they're going to, I think Kimi could do another season. And uh, how about you, Fergal? Uh, I'm going to bring Bottas back into the equation here and, um, <laughs> and say Bottas and poor chair. Although 
I think it also could be Bottas and Schwartzman, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick out for Bottas and Porsche. Well, I suppose That'd be a good lineup. Yeah, I suppose we shouldn't be surprised by that because, of course, you didn't put Bottas in Williams, so you had to put yeah. him somewhere, I suppose. Otherwise, we're expecting him to walk out the door. Um, let's talk about AlphaTauri now. Now, before we talk about AlphaTauri, I want to put a little bit of emphasis on what's going on at Red Bull because Red Bull this season signed Sergio Perez. You know, it was a huge shock, of course, towards the end of last season, although a lot of us in F1 really, really wanted it. And after he won in Sakir, it just seemed that, you know, it was going to happen. And it did, and it was brilliant. This season, of course, I think a lot of us expected Sergio Perez to have a period where he needed to transition into the team, adjust to the daunting task of being Max Verstappen's teammate to a point where no one has really thrived. Even Daniel Ricciardo hasn't exactly thrived alongside him. But that being said, Sergio Perez was obviously putting in some you know, decent performances. He's very much contributing to Red Bull. And, and of course, he won the race in Baku, which was a big, big moment, especially picking up after... Max Verstappen had that unfortunate accident, of course, not caused by his own doing, which took him out of the race. And of course, Perez was able to consolidate the victory after Lewis Hamilton's mistake. But since then, Sergio Perez's performances have been questionable at best. And more often than not, he's found himself struggling to beat Valtteri Bottas, let alone, you know, compete with the likes of Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. I mean, in terms of how he's fared with Max, he's been a long way behind in qualifying and by virtue of the Red Bull and the Mercedes being more dominant than anyone else, he sometimes found himself on the second row of the grid because of how good the car is. But there have been occasions where he has been found lacking and found himself struggling in the midfield in the same way that Albon and Gasly did before him. That all being said, should Red Bull seriously be looking at the possibility of not keeping Perez for next season? Or do you feel that owing to the current volatility of the driver market and lack of other options to Red Bull that Perez, at the very least, deserves another season, and we'll see how that goes. Um, Courtney, I'm going to ask you that one first. Um, I look at the situation. Um, Perez, he's shown real glimpses of how good he can be. I think, yeah, the car has helped to an extent, but compared to the likes of Gasly and Albon, he's already done a lot more for Red Bull. Max Verstappen clearly likes him. He has helped uh, for Stappen on a couple of occasions. I think even like the little subtle moments, like when he took um, a fastest lap away from Lewis Hammond, he shows he's shown to be a real asset to the team. They seem to be a lot more gelled compared to what we've seen with other drivers. And I think another thing that goes in Perez's favour is that the drivers that could potentially replace him, I think the, the best option right now is Gasly. But Gasly's proven to have issues at Red Bull. Um, previously so I think right now I, th- I think Perez has another year in his favour at least and uh, Fergal how do you feel about Perez this season do you feel he's done enough to earn a contract for next season or do you feel that perhaps he will get it on the virtue of him being okay but there aren't really any suitable options available to replace him at this time yeah, well I mean you can't really say that he's been a standout driver this year um, like you said there was that period at the start of the year where we expected that he would be a bit you know, underperforming, uh, considering the lack of testing and so on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think he will be there next year. I think that was probably nearly almost guaranteed when he was signed to this deal. Um, and I think, you know, one thing he has going in his favor as well is Paris has been around in F1 long enough for us to know what he can do and how strong of a driver he is. It's similar to, you know, Ricardo at McLaren, who's going through a very rough patch right now, but 
you know, I, I no, I, I, I don't think lesser of Ricardo because I've been watching him long enough perform at such a high level that I know what he has in him, and it's sort of similar with Perez. Um, I, yeah, I, I think he still does have a role to play this year, um, but I think, you know, he's still behind Lando Norris in the championship. I think it shouldn't be his goal to beat Norris in the championship, but right now that's kind of how it's looking because. You know, that Red Bull should be ahead of that McLaren in the in the standings, um, but yeah, I I do think he'll be okay for next year, um, and give it give it another shot, um, and I guess it can only really go up from there, uh, or from where it is now, and it might do Red Bull you know favors to to keep him there and not swap out another driver for a fourth time, um, as they've you know been consistently changing drivers with Gasly, with Albon, and then with Perez. So uh, I think he'll be okay for next year. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I mean, Red Bull have got options in the Young Driver Academy. Of course, let's not forget, Sonoda's obviously made his debut this season. And it, at best, it's been mixed. There's some, been good, there's some good moments, but there's equally been some difficult moments. And I think there's certainly work to be done there. And I think he probably deserves another year at least to see how he goes. Of course, it's not been the easiest transition for him, but there's definitely potential. But... The other options they've got in their academy, drivers like Yuri Vips, Liam Lawson, uh, Jayan Deruvala, of course, all doing rather one F2. And of course, Denny ha- Dennis Hauger, who for me, I think probably presents the best opportunity for the next couple of years for Red Bull. But of course, that's still a long, long way away. Um, so, you know, as Courtney mentioned, it's probably worth looking at the fact that Red Bull don't have any immediate options to jump into that car um, for next season to replace Perez if they were considering that. Um because of that, do you think that Red Bull perhaps should be looking or revisiting the prospect of putting Gasly back in the car in the future? Or do you think that that Red Bull seat is completely closed off to him and it's just a case of keeping him with AlphaTauri until a better option for him becomes available? Um, yeah, I think, to be honest, I think that Red Bull path is closed to him. Um We've seen how well he's doing at AlphaTauri and Red Bull love that. Um, they want that team leader um, in in AlphaTauri and you know, Gasly is doing that. He's still relatively young. He has experience and he's showing great speed. Um, and yeah, I, I, think, I think the fact that they didn't sign him for this year says a lot. Um, you know, Red Bull, they could have easily chosen him over Perez, but they didn't. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that path back to Red Bull for Gasly is, is closed off. I mean, it's such a dangerous thing really, because you've got a driver in Gasly who, of course, we know how things unfolded at Red Bull to a degree, you know, it wasn't the best environment to nurture his talent. Of course, he was very much thrusted into that seat before he was ready as many Red Bull drivers have been in the fast, but of course it's very much sink or swim in this environment. Whereas Max Verstappen is, uh, Max Verstappen is, is swimming and swimming lengths left, right and center as good as Adam Petey ever could. You've got other drivers that have pretty much drowned for lack of a better way of putting it and struggled to do so. And Gasly being one of them and perhaps not being as uh, willing at the time to really try and overcome this and, uh, you know, succumbing to the issues that he had in that Red Bull car. It's kind of created this, uh, as you said, this wall, perhaps, that Red Bull are just not going to consider it. And perhaps there is a risk that, despite how well Gasly is doing now, and perhaps is a much more attractive option, that Red Bull could potentially miss out because they're just not going to entertain it. Um, 
with that being said, of course, both drivers, from what we understand, according to Franz Tost, uh, are very much going to stay next season. Um, there have been some concerns over Sonoda, but it does seem that both drivers in Franz Tost's mind, he's just waiting for Red Bull to confirm Perez. And then, of course, those guys should be confirmed as well. It does seem to be Red Bull's decision um, in terms of all of this about who stays and who goes. But one driver I think we haven't talked about much is Alex Albon. And Alex, of course, you know, didn't have the worst season at Red Bull last season. He, again, another driver that was put into that car perhaps before he was ready. And, you know, even though he had his problems like Gasly, I think he was a lot more upfront and willing to try and overcome them. It just ultimately just didn't happen for him at the time. Um, Courtney, all jokes aside about Albon's involvement this season in doing sim runs at Silverstone to try and prove Lewis Hamilton's penalty should be more severe and try to recreate any possible incident you can think of for the memes. Do you feel that perhaps Alex Albon should be looked at as a serious option for a seat at AlphaTauri or perhaps even Red Bull in the next year or two? I think a return to AlphaTauri would be a good move for him. I think he is a good driver. I just think the circumstances go against him at the moment. I don't see any movement at Red Bull and I'd be very surprised if there's any movement at AlphaTauri um, this season. I think Albon's chance will come when Pierre Gasly goes. So that's why he needs to keep himself noticeable within the F1 circle because it's very easy for drivers to become forgotten given how much competition there is. So I think he needs to knuckle down for the next year, keep himself known. And I think I'll I'll get the feeling that Pierre Gasly will move on after next season. And I think that's when the opportunity could arise for him. Very much so. Um, We'll have to see how the driver market develops for next season. Of course, there are a few contracts that are going to be up for grabs for next uh, this 2023 season, I should say. Perhaps that's when Gassi will make his move. I mean, there was always rumours about him going to Alpine um, in 2023 to replace Alonso, but of course we'll have to wait and see how that develops. They've got their own driver academy of drivers that will want that seat. Uh, Red Bull have their own drivers that obviously want a seat as well. Some of the drivers I've already mentioned. Um, and because of that, there does seem to be a finite time when album may be the outstanding candidate and that may not necessarily be the case next season and because of that i'm wondering if albon should be looking at possibly the seats available potentially at williams and alfa romeo for next season as a way into formula one rather than play the waiting game and hope that a seat may open up at alfa tauri or red bull and that may not happen um fergo if you were alex albon where would your head be at? Would you be looking at potentially waiting for 2023, perhaps to go into AlphaTauri or Red Bull maybe? Or do you think he perhaps should try to get into a seat at Williams and, and Alfa Romeo now, whilst he may potentially be the best candidate for either one of those seats? Well, if he's focusing directly on coming back to F1, then I think he should definitely look outside the Red Bull program. I think that Red Bull program right now is... Um, stacked with strong junior drivers, which is you know such a, a stark comparison to what the academy was like when Albon was called up uh, into Alfatari. You know, you have the likes of Liam Olsen, uh, Yuri Vips, Dennis Hauger uh, we've, that we've all mentioned. Um, but uh, yeah, if he really wants to come back to F1, I think he should be looking elsewhere. Personally, I'm not sure if I see him coming back to F1 anytime soon. Um, and if that's the case, I think he could end up venturing elsewhere into somewhere like Formula E or IndyCar. Uh, of course, he was signed up to race in Formula E before he um, before he came to Alvatari. But um, I'd be very surprised if he did end up 
back in Formula One in any full-time capacity, regardless of, of what team. Um, I just don't see it happening. Um, which, you know, is a shame because Albon is a, a strong driver. He's a, he's a really nice guy. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think, especially when you're so long out of the sport, um, for someone that didn't really, you know, impress too much, it would be very, very difficult to make um, a comeback like that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I like Albon. I think it was very harsh that he ended up losing his seat altogether in Formula One. I would have much preferred for him to go in, back into Alpha Tauri. And you're right, the Red Bull driver program has been very, very much a success over the years, but I think their problem is that it's just become too stacked and there's too many drivers coming through all at the same time. And and Albon's entry into Formula One with Toro Rosso a few years ago, of course, bef- you know, not long after he'd signed up for Formula E, I think it was, uh, was it Nissan? Edam's team he signed up yeah. with? And yeah, he was bored out the last se- second because um, he was meant to turn up for pre-season testing and never showed. But, um, you know, he, he took the opportunity of the driver academy being very, very light on talent. You know, they were looking at Kvyat uh, going back into Toro Rosso as well. And, you know, Ricardo had just just left and everyone was scrambling over what to do so he very much benefited from that but of course that doesn't exist anymore you know it's very much becoming stacked and i think next year we could end up with two maybe three drivers potentially that could jump into that alpha tari seat next season excluding albon so i'm kind of wondering if i was alex albon and i know red bull are very keen on getting alex albon back into formula one but i don't think they want to fast track him into the main seat i think they want him to go into the alpha tari so of course it depends on what happens with Sonoda and gasly but i'm wondering is red bull's desire enough to convince alex albon it's worth waiting a year and potentially you hopefully in his mind risking the the, the prospect of someone like a liam lawson or a yuri vips or derival or even dennis hauger you know giving red bull the indications that they deserve the seat more or should he be more focused on looking at a potential opportunity at Williams and Alfa Romeo, doing a George Russell and making a massive PowerPoint to sell his case to come back into the sport? Some, you know, obviously nothing like that. But I just think perhaps if there is a seat in Formula One next season, I think Alex should think long and hard about taking it because he may not get that opportunity in 2023. And Red Bull is ruthless enough already. And given that he's been unsuccessful once, it's so hard to get back into the sport, especially if you're a Red Bull driver. But I'm going to push you now both for the final time on this episode to um, give your prediction of who's going to be in the Red Bull and also the AlphaTauri Six next season. Uh, Fergal, I'll come to you first. I've got a suspicion we're all going to be very, very similar on this one. Yeah, um, I think nothing will change for next year. Um, Verstappen, Perez at Red Bull and uh, Gasly and Sonoda at AlphaTauri. Courtney? Yeah, I think both teams will stick with uh, both the drivers that they got right now. And we have a triple threat. Um, hey! Pretty much, yeah, I expected it. Um, interestingly enough, before we do wrap this up, I do want to ask one question, because we've talked about opportunities for Valtteri Bottas and other teams. Do you think Red Bull should be paying attention to what happens with Bottas and Russell, and perhaps whichever one gets dropped by Mercedes, or if Russell doesn't get picked, do you think Red Bull should be trying to perhaps take one of those two drivers on and offer them uh, a seat, if not a seat at the very least, perhaps a reserve seat for their team next season with the proviso that it will become a major seat in 2023. Virgil, what do you think? Well, if it's Bottas who misses out, then Red Bull should absolutely pounce on that because he's going to have all the inside, all the little (laughs) 
bits of valuable info from Mercedes, um, even like you said, if it was at a development role or reserve role, I mean, that would be such a valuable asset to Red Bull. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure if Bottas would want that kind of a, a role. Um, but if they wanted to offer him a seat, you know, obviously Bottas would take that in a heartbeat. Um, I'm not sure if Mercedes would be too happy if um, they tried to poach Russell, Russell to Red Bull. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it definitely would... Uh, kick up a step in the, the the rivalry i think that we're currently with, witnessing now well it certainly would be interesting and it's not the first time that teams have done this sort of thing in the past um corny if you were christian horner and you saw bottas or even george russell whichever one it is that doesn't get the mercedes seat would you be offering them uh at, at the very least a development role potentially with a proviso for a seat in 2023 It'd be a cheeky move. Uh, we'll comp- uh, completely rule it out, given that Red Bull have already taken a number of personnel from Mercedes. So it'd be it'd be a Red Bull kind of move to make. But I really do believe that they're happy with Perez. I, I think they still know that he has more to offer. And I think that kind of move probably won't happen until next season, at least. Oh, fair enough. I mean, if it was me, I'd definitely be all over that. And, you know, if it was uh, George Russell that gets the seat next season, I'd be very tempted to offer about whether or not uh, I would offer Valtteri Bottas uh, a seat for next season, because as you said, you know, the comparisons to Perez, I think they have to be made. And, you know, if there is a driver that we know is a reliable entity as a number two driver, almost the Barry Kello role, if you like, from years ago, Bottas certainly fits the bill. Um, so I don't think you can go wrong in that regard. I think Bottas is certainly worthy of a seat in one of the top teams. It's just that Mercedes up against Lewis Hamilton, you're always going to be made to look the second best unless you're something special. Um, but look, guys, we've been going on this for long enough. Uh, we probably need to wrap this up. But uh, guys, of course, if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure to comment below what your predictions are going to be for 2022 in terms of the driver lineup. Where do you, for who do you think is going to be in the Mercedes alongside Hamilton? Who you think is going to be at Alfa Romeo and Williams? And of course, Alfa Tauri and a cheeky one for Red Bull if you're feeling bold as well. Of course, if you are listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to follow and give us a like. And of course, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you feel that we're deserving of it, Give us a five-star review. We'd really, really appreciate that. But uh, Fergal, before we wrap this up, um, where can we, where can our followers and viewers and listeners, of course, find you on social media and, of course, your publications as well? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, um, at FergalF1. Um, and you can read all my stuff and all my colleagues' stuff on uh, motorsportweek.com and Motorsport Monday, um, which is a free weekly digital uh, magazine um, full of all news and, and features and race reports. Excellent. And of course, I've read a few pieces myself, really, really good stuff. So I definitely definitely recommend it uh, for anyone who is interested on having a bit of a read on their Monday commute, etc. It's definitely some good stuff in there for you. And it's absolutely free, most importantly, just like this podcast. But of course, guys, if you have enjoyed this podcast on YouTube, make sure to give it a like and consider subscribing to the YouTube channel. We are very much racing towards 500 subscribers. Of course, our overall target for the year is 1,000. But of course, every milestone is an achievement for us. So help us get there if you can. Until then, guys, of course, we will be back with a new episode of the DNF1 Ed1 podcast in the coming days. But until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. See you soon.
Podcast Network.